0: Unbelievable. Cool. Ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street. than Death Valley, South Carolina.
1: a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good, I would call her. Wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and four. I wish I was like six foot nine so I can get with Leo. She cause she don't know me but yo she's really fine you know I see her all the time everywhere I go and even in my dreams I can scheme a ways to make her mine cause I know she's living fat her boyfriend's tall and he plays ball so how am I gonna compete with that cause when it comes to playing basketball I'm always last to be flippin and some cases never pooped it off. so I Hey folks the- welcome back to the Clemson podcast. South Carolina claimed a stake to another national championship on Monday night, this time before the game even started. Trevor Lawrence has finally set foot on campus, but we're still waiting for the rest of his hair to show up. Clemson is now clearly a basketball school, as the Tigers are 14-1, 3-0 in the ACC, number 19 in the country, and ranked for the first time in eight years, so life is good. Again, folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. I'm Ben, I'm your host today, and I'll be joined by Sam. As we look to move on from football season, um, and what was the uh, disappointing end to that, and now into basketball season, like I mentioned, uh, Clemson looking very good in basketball. This looks to be the best team that Brad bonnell has ever uh, put on the court, and Clemson is squarely um, in the NCAA tournament uh, crosshairs. Jay Billis, I think, came out today and had Clemson solid as the, I think, number 21st ranked team in the country, uh, which would give Clemson, I think, like a five, you know, borderline five, six seed. So things are looking up for Clemson basketball. We're going to get into that today. But first, Sam, uh, be remiss not to talk about the national championship game that happened Monday night. I thought it was a great game. I felt when uh, Nick Saban made the change uh, to Tua at quarterback after the end of the first half. I saw the writing on the wall, and I had a good feeling they were going to come back, and sure enough, they did. You watched the game?
0: I did. It was a huge, gutsy call for him to – Change a quarterback who's twenty-five and two in his career and take him out at halftime. Uh, but clearly he made the right call. Tua backed him up and and came through and made the throws to win them the national championship again.
1: Yeah, and Georgia, I mean, you talked about missed opportunities. I, I I think a lot of Clemson fans were worried that had we not won with Deshaun that, that was gonna be a missed opportunity for us. You know, Georgia had a lot of talent this year and they lose a lot of talent, so I don't necessarily see them being back next year. So um, it's funny, that stadium may be cursed a little bit for uh, teams from the state of Georgia. We saw what the Falcons did in the uh, Super Bowl last year, blowing a big lead to the New England Patriots, and then Georgia has a good halftime lead against Alabama, blows it to them. Heartbreaking Georgia.
0: Yeah, maybe the Georgia team should try to get behind and come back instead of taking early leads. It clearly isn't working doing it this way.
1: Well, they they did so with a freshman quarterback, uh, so you know, kudos to Georgia for being there. Um, I, as a Clemson fan, was Pulling for Bama, I know we had a lot of debate amongst our Clemson group out here of uh, you know whether we should pull for Bama or Georgia. I mean, obviously, you're not really pulling for either team. But yeah. you know, for me, my logic is, and I think older Clemson fans are more aware of this than younger Clemson fans, but Georgia is like Clemson's number two rival, rival number two. Clemson does not pull for Georgia. Clemson does not like Georgia, not to mention that they're more of a threat uh, in the recruiting universe than a team like Alabama is. So for those two things alone... I'm pulling for Georgia, or I'm sorry, I'm pulling for Alabama, but then, you know, Alabama beat us. I'd like to think that, you know, say, hey, we got beat by the the eventual national champions.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, visceral reaction that people have to Alabama at this point is pretty strong. So, despite your logic being sound and knowing that we're recruiting in Georgia a lot stronger than we are in Alabama and that Alabama as a recruiting class doesn't reach into Georgia and South Carolina as much, you just can't pull for the for Alabama to win anything. We just want to see them suffer as a Clemson fan base, I think.
1: Well, I can tell you this. I was sitting there watching the game Monday night, um, seeing how cold it was in Atlanta. And it was icy conditions all day. It was rainy. And the people were like stuck in line trying to get in the stadium for two hours, uh, presumably because Donald Trump was at the game and all the chaos that that caused with the Secret Service and everything. Yep. I'm kind of sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, you guys could have this one, you know, we got Santa Clara uh, coming up next year in 2019, which is right in our backyard, not too far from San Francisco, and I'm sitting in my recliner with my dog in my lap and just poured myself a nice glass of George T. Stag, and I was feeling pretty good.
0: Yeah, it was a very different experience sitting at home watching the game in the comfort of your own apartment or home or wherever you were doing it as a Clemson fan, as opposed to being in Tampa or Phoenix the last couple of years and being there for the excitement of the, the game in person.
1: Well, you know, we mentioned in that show the best team won in in the game we played against Alabama and ultimately the best team won the national championship. Um, But what is exciting looking forward to next year, we're starting to hear some rumblings about guys coming back already today. Uh, Mitch Hyatt has confirmed that he's returning to school. And I made a prediction in our last uh, football episode, the recap of the Sugar Bowl, that there are four guys on the defense that I thought were going to come back to this football team. And we're. And if you guys are reading the same thing that we are, we're hearing some good rumblings today about all of that possibly coming true. Hopefully we'll know more uh, tomorrow. And maybe by the time you guys are listening to this, the the news has already come out. But I saw Ivan Mazel come out today and say that you know, leading into the to the game against Alabama, he thought Clemson could supplant Alabama as a you know the the supreme team in college football. But after the game, he doesn't feel that way anymore. Now I think that's pretty poor logic. You know, it's not like Alabama won two years in a row, so why mm-hmm. are you holding against Clemson for winning it two years in a row? And Clemson has a pretty good team coming back next year if everything goes like we hope it does on the defensive side Absolutely. of the ball. You get Mitch Hyatt back, and then you know you got that guy Trevor Lawrence, in addition to some other really good quarterbacks on campus. So I'm feeling pretty good, and I'm, uh, you know, fortunately next year we don't have to book a hotel or flights or anything like that for Santa Clara. Tickets aren't going to be as in high demand because it's on the other side of the country, so feeling pretty positive moving into next year.
0: Yeah, I think the position battles are going to be a lot of fun, especially quarterback. We don't know if Kelly's going to win out uh, and start again next year or if somebody new like Hunter or Trevor or Cooper or anybody else. We have so many quarterbacks on the roster. Uh, if any of them can can show that they are the man that's going to take this team to the championship again,
1: yeah. So we won't talk football too much further, otherwise uh, I'm liable to get into a one sided debate telling you why uh, Cody and Tully were wrong about the things we were arguing about today. So I'll give them the uh, the opportunity to do that the next time we're on. Uh, but the focus of today is going to be this Clemson basketball team. So let's get into that. As I mentioned, uh, Clemson 14-1 right now as it stands, 3-0 in the ACC. They're actually first in the ACC. You don't see that very often. Um, And this is not fool's gold. This basketball team has been playing really, really well all year. Their only loss is to a decent Temple team who could very well make the tournament. And that was at the end of a tournament down in Charleston without a guy like David Scar. Uh, We'll get into uh, kind of depth issues on the the bench right now. But, you know, he's going to be a big... A uh, piece of the puzzle moving forward, should Clemson continue to play well, uh, but otherwise, this is a much, much improved team from last year. I think what you saw in the transfers that Brad Bellnell was was bringing in, they were trending more towards the offensive-minded uh, players as opposed to defense, mm-hmm. which what's what mm-hmm. is a staple of Brad Bellnell's style of basketball and that really bit them in the ass last year because the basketball team uh, while they were scoring uh, they were giving up a lot of points the most points that they've given up in the Brad Brown era but now this year a complete 180 on the defensive side of the ball Um, so to see these guards these transfers play such good defense not to mention uh, Dante Grantham and Gabe DeVoe really developing that part of their game and those two guys right there like co-most improved players throughout their career at yeah, Clemson. absolutely. Uh, and, then, and then Elijah Thomas. You know, I didn't expect to see as much development or as willingness to play defense from him, but I really loved his composure so far this year. So I think where we sit right now, Clemson fans, uh, you know, last year we kind of got our hopes hopes up, played so well in out of conference, had some good ACC wins early on, but then just kind of collapsed. This year's a completely different story.
0: It's totally different. Uh, and I think... Your point about Eli, the biggest thing that changed with him is he's been able to at least stay out of foul trouble to some extent so far this year, which is really letting him stay on the court and make an impact. And I think defensively, he's giving a little bit more effort, but he had the flashes last year as a as a potentially solid defender and rim protector. And this year, we're getting to see a lot more of it because he's staying on the court.
1: And Dante Grant is playing some good defense, too. You know, he, he's rebounding very well this year. Um, that's up from last year. He's blocking some balls. Um, and then, again, talking about the guards, you know, we mentioned this in the last episode, foul trouble uh, by Clemson's big men has been a pretty big problem, pretty prevalent in the yep. past few years between Landry Noco and Siddi Uh Part of that was because the guards were just letting, you know, O-laying guys, letting them get by. Yeah, so, we, you know, the guys in the paint were taking some, uh, taking some fouls. It's different this year. It's yep. more of a team effort, and it's more cohesive. And, you know, we can talk about the offense because we're really excited about that, too. But, again... This is Brad Brownell's style of basketball. He's a defensive-minded coach, so to see them buying into that um, is very encouraging, because last year it seems like he lost the team. This year, it looks like he's brought them back.
0: Yeah, I think uh, a really good example of that team defense was the first half of the NC State game, and we'll get into the games more a little bit later, but um, you could see a lot of our help defenders were making key defensive plays throughout the entire first half in that game, and it just epitomized what Brownell's been preaching to these guys uh, from a defensive standpoint. They've really all bought in, and I think bringing Scar back has really taken it to an additional level. Even though he's not filling up the stat sheet, you can tell that his presence is felt on the court.
1: And that adds some depth, which this team is in great need of, because after you get past Scar and Mark Donnell, you don't really have a lot. You have a lot of unproven young guys, unproven freshmen. Uh, So, getting Scarab back in the mix is really going to help. Now, we'll see how that affects ultimately you get into the tournament. Um, The ACC tournament is going to be the first challenge of that. You start to play multiple days in a row, depth issues can really start to hurt you. So, I think it's going to be important to develop some other guys. Uh, But so far, so good for the Clemson Tigers. So, Sam, I think the last time that we checked in uh, was right before we started ACC play. So, let's do a rollback here. We played, like I said, we played three games for 3 0 in the ACC. This team has won in different ways. They won at home, they won on the road. Uh, against teams that are pretty decent. These are not bottom tier, they're not going to end up being bottom tier ACC teams. So, yep. what have you seen uh, throughout these games, you know, specifically um, you know, starting with NC State into Boston College and then Louisville?
0: Yeah, we talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but the balance on the offense and the ability to actually run an offense has been a huge improvement over even last year. Uh, Brownells' teams typically are defensive focused. Uh, But this year, we're actually scoring at one of the highest rates in the country, effectiveness-wise. We're 48th in the country in offensive effectiveness, effectiveness, uh, which is higher than he's had in previous seasons. And the defense is back to where it's a Brad Brennell team. Uh, I talked a little bit about the Team D in the NC State game uh, that really stood out in the first half, but... Also in that game, all five starters had at least 10 points. Eli played only about 20, 25 minutes in that game because he was in some foul trouble and still ended up with a double-double, I believe. Uh, And Mark Donnell, our one guy off the bench who scored, ended up with eight. So really super even scoring, uh, and that's been a trend. Any given night, somebody's going to lead the team in scoring, and it's going to be different every night. There's
1: five guys averaging double digits. Yep. Uh, This year, this I mean, you know, you're going to get out of uh, Marquise Reed. Shelton Mitchell can be up and down sometimes with his three-point shooting, but otherwise, he's a solid free throw shooter, uh, solid point guard. Uh, Again, Dante Grantham cannot say more about the progress that this guy has made, and it doesn't make you start to wonder. Looking back now, uh, was it a was it a detriment to this team, or did it handicap this team a bit? Having being focused around one guy like Jerron Blossom game or KJ McDaniels and not letting some of these other guys flourish or, you know, not giving them that scores attackers mentality where when it comes to crunch time, they're just like, Oh, I'm going to throw it off to Jerron. I'm going to throw it off to KJ and let them go to work this year. It's different guys. They're spreading it around. It's a total team effort. That's it's really great to see. So I wonder if that hampered Dante's uh, progress a little bit. Gabe DeVoe, I think is a different story. I think he's incrementally gotten better his four seasons at Clemson, but with Dante Grantham, it's like a light has flipped on.
0: Yeah, I think it definitely handicapped Dante's effectiveness and his growth as a player because he's somebody who wants to contribute on both ends of the court, and I think he probably felt a little bit uh, cast aside when it was KJ or um, Jerron just taking every possession in crunch time, and just we were just feeding it to them in the post and letting them go at the other team, and that was our entire offense. This year, you see great passing from pretty much everybody on the team and they're moving the ball and everybody's taking turns and and when somebody's hot, they're feeding it to that guy. People are taking uh, control of the game when it's the right time to do it. We're making good choices as a team. Uh, And so I think it's giving guys like DeVoe and Grantham a much better opportunity to develop their games personally and sort of come into that leadership role as well.
1: And leadership is a key factor. I think part of the problem last year is you had guys coming into the program with kind of established leaders on the team, but guys who have a leadership mentality, and and everything didn't quite mesh and come together. Mm-hmm. You have a couple of years now for these guys to gel, and it's really starting to show. They, they just look like a more cohesive bunch and more confident bunch. You mentioned the passing. One thing that I really took away from the Louisville game as I was watching that, I was completely floored by watching Clemson actually run a competent offense. It actually looked like a designed offense that was actually functioning well. In years past, Clemson could have been so frustrating on offense, especially when it comes down to crunch time to game. They're just passing the ball around on the perimeter, and there seems to be no rhyme or reason to what they're doing. This year is completely different. It's methodical, and it's working. It's really exciting to see.
0: Yeah, it's a lot more fun to watch, too. Uh, Guys like Shelton and Marquise and Gabe are driving and kicking. It's clearly part of the game plan every night for them to get into the lane and either finish around the rim, put up some mid range shots that are open if they're there
1: or kick it out to shooters who are hitting the shots and you, when they're open. And you saw them execute that to perfection in overtime, uh, against the, the absolutely. Game. Um, and, and then the confidence for a guy like, like Gabe Devoe who hadn't been really shooting well all game, mm-hmm. step up and hit two big three pointers yeah. from the wing there in a row. Um, shooters going to shoot, you know, even if they have a bad night, it's, it's great for them to still have that confidence to, to be able to knock down a dagger when it really counts. Um, You know we're gonna see some some warts at some point this season. There's a a tough gauntlet coming up here, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit uh, to end the month of January. But really, it's just it's surprising, but it's also very encouraging to see such progression on the offensive side of the ball. We all wondered about Brad now. Could he develop guys? Could he ever put an offensive-minded team on the court? Well, I think we're starting to get our answer. Um, on that, he's no longer playing with somebody else's guys. These are guys that he brought in. He he switched mentalities to bring in transfers, and he's no longer relying on one guy. This is a well-rounded team, and it's showing on the court. So another thing I want to talk about, Sam, and we kind of North Carolina State game aside, because that was a bigger win for us, uh, for the last two games, Boston College and Louisville have been close coming down to the end. Obviously, Very. Louisville going into overtime. But the Boston College, Clemson builds up a big lead on the road, and it's disappointing to see them blow that lead in the second half. Um, but you can't really hold that much against him. Jerome Robinson was hitting everything yeah. uh, that he took. So for this team to to, to show the guts to, to stick it in there and win that game and not let them phase them, that, again, is not something we are used to seeing from Brad Brown teams. Absolutely.
0: Uh, there was some clutch free throw shooting in both games down the stretch. Uh, the BC game especially, um, we had... Free throws from Marquise, Gabe, and Shelton all towards the end of the game. They all went two for two, and we won that game by four. So they, if they miss any of those, it gives Jerome Robinson, who had an incredible second half. Um,
1: I mean, this is a future NBA guy.
0: Absolutely, he's uh, probably towards the top of the ACC Player of the Year rankings right now, right up there with Luke May and Bonzi Colson if Colson had stayed healthy. Um, but he just he scored twenty. Uh, eight points in that game I think and 26 of them were in the second half
1: so yeah that's ridiculous and Clemson's Achilles heel um well, one of many over the past few years is bidding letting one guy on absolutely uh, on a team just dominate them and win a game he dominated but he didn't win it for him
0: he did it was not quite enough and in years past those single player dominant performances have been enough to sink us uh I think last year I I did some Data digging and found that there were, I think, something like 15 or 20 guys who had the best or second best careers, of, games of their careers against us in last season in 30 games. Uh, it was pretty much every other game somebody was getting their career high. That's sort of still an issue at times. Robinson was an example. He's going to score way more than 28 points throughout his college career, but...
1: But At the same time, uh, we held Jordan Chapman, who averages more than 10 a game, we held him to zero points.
0: Exactly. So, while we may still let one or two guys go off occasionally, the overall defense is so much improved over last season.
1: Well, it's... Yeah, it's a sight for sore eyes on both sides of the ball. You know, Dante Grantham, in this Boston College game, had a double-double, 23 points, 14 rebounds. It was a huge game for him. What? Career-high 14? Five assists, three steals. I mean, you know, I mentioned... Uh, in the non-conference play, that I wasn't convinced that Dante Grantham was going to be able to sustain this kind of success uh, going into ACC play when things really get tougher, and that's based off of what I had seen in the past. But I couldn't have been more wrong. I know we're only three games in, but I'm very encouraged by what we're seeing out of him, and I do think that it is sustainable at this point, unless something ridiculous happens that that really gives a hit to his ego and his, uh, his self-esteem and his psyche. Um, I, I can't. I can't. Say it anymore.
0: Uh, yep. Dante's been a revelation this year. He is taking such better shots
1: and doing it the right way, which I think is one of the big reasons
0: it's sustainable. And
1: uh, it's just shocking given what we've seen. You know, you make the Milton Jennings comparison, yeah. uh, at least through his first few years. But do you think he's at a point now where he's playing his way into a possible NBA draft spot?
0: He's going to have to do a lot more to get drafted, but there's not a reason he can't go play professionally either in the G league and work his way into an NBA roster or go play in Europe for a couple of years and try and come back. He's clearly showing this year that he's got the potential to be a professional basketball player. Um, and I think to get to the top 60 players in the world is going to be a bit of a stretch probably. Um, but he's definitely showing that he's able to compete at a really high level.
1: Well, I'm good for him. I'm really happy for him. And it will be interesting to see um, what his future has in store. He tested the NBA draft orders last year with this new rule in college basketball mm-hmm. where you can uh, uh, where you can go to the combine, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I I thought that was a joke when that came out. And he said he was going, I was like, are you kidding me? You have no shot. Um, well, he's turned it around this year. Um, so congratulations to him. And it's really good for Clemson basketball. He's been a big part of this puzzle. Um, now looking Next to the Louisville game. Win that game in overtime. We have a lead for most of the second half there. Let Louisville get back in it. But again, Clemson pulls it off. And the, the thing about this game is that we didn't match up really well with them at all. And this is another thing where in years past, if Clemson doesn't match up well against the team, they usually get dominated. Yeah. But they were able to weather the storm this game. and and pull it off. It was at home, which makes me a little bit uncomfortable that it was that close at home because Louisville's not a great basketball team, but they're still a good basketball team, and again, one we don't match up with well.
0: Yeah, they have a bunch of big guys that they rely on, and you saw early on in the game, uh, Ray Spaulding crushed us down low. He had like eight points in the first ten minutes of the game, just little turnarounds and shots from the baseline uh, that Eli was contesting, but they were dropping. Uh, They've got a really good defensive center or two Uh, that they bring into the game as well. And so it was a tough matchup for us for sure. They're one of the best defensive teams in the country as well, so we knew it was going to be tough to score. They put a lot of pressure on our ball handlers. Lucky for us, our our backcourt is really strong this year. So guys like Shelton and Marquise and Gabe were able to handle that pressure and turn it into an advantage for us in the game.
1: Yeah, Eli played really well down low against their bigger guys. He had a big block there near – I can't remember if it was near the end of regulation. Yep. Uh, Is that correct? Yeah, Yeah,
0: the under-regulation was was really scary, Uh, but we did what we had to. They had the ball, tie game, they had the ball with uh, about 50 seconds left. And Eli and I think Marquise made a big play together. Right. Eli grabbed the ball after the, the loose ball and then threw it away, so we had to make a second stop in the last minute of the game. Uh, and they were able to do that and send it to overtime.
1: So I think that's been one one of the fans' gripes about Eli. And some complaining at times that he has bricks for hands or he's not all that coordinated. That outlet pass, I mean, it wasn't even to it a Clinton was to player. No one. Yeah, yeah, it was right to Louisville. So do you see that as being an issue moving forward?
0: I don't. He's not uh, as adept at passing as guys like Skara or Donnell uh, that come in off the bench. But he has shown that he's got the ability to handle the ball and kick it out when he's double teamed. Uh, he's... Going to improve there. I think that's something that you, once you learn the defenses that are being sent at you and and just get more experience at a high level, he'll get better with that. But he's definitely, there's still room for growth.
1: Well, bottom line is it's been really great to see this Clemson team win against different types, uh, playing different types of basketball, playing di- teams that play different types of basketball with different body types. And like some play big, some play small. And so Clemson's adaptability to that and then to also be able to pull off wins. And this is not just the last three games. Uh, it's the season as a whole. There's some good wins on this, um, um, on their resume. Mm-hmm. So that bodes well moving forward. Um, there's, there's some other things we do need to, to focus on. One of those things being the depth on the roster. And that's one thing that's concerned me a little bit throughout the year. You know, you got the starting five and you got Scara and, uh, What do we have behind that, though? We've got some freshmen, and none of them are really proven. um, So that scares me a little bit, especially like I mentioned when you get into a tournament.
0: Yeah, we have essentially a seven-man rotation with our five starters who play more minutes than almost every team in the country. We're 339th in bench minutes in the country out of 351 teams. So very far down the bottom. Uh, Scar and Donnell are the guys that are key to the rotation beyond that. Uh, the other two that seem to be getting a good amount of run, getting into every game for limited minutes, are two of our freshmen, Amir Sims and Clyde Trap. Trap is our uh, backup point guard, and Sims is a backup big. He's six seven and athletic, able to play against the uh, the centers in the ACC and hold his own.
1: Well, it's good that we've got two guys that do two different things instead yes. of two guards out there, uh, so we can start to kind of bring them along and hopefully have them available. I mean, do you see either of them? being able to have an impact, getting enough minutes, and developing enough to have an impact later in the season down the road?
0: I hope so. Uh, Clemson doesn't have the advantage in basketball like we do in football where we're able to play a bunch of guys and go super deep because we have a better starting lineup and are able to get big leads and develop players during the season. Teams like Michigan State and Duke are able to do a little bit more of that usually. Um, But we do have – I think they show a lot of potential, both Amir and Clyde can can play at this level, and they bring different things. Sims is a super athletic, good rebounder. Uh, he doesn't foul a ton, which is good uh, for a big man dealing with people who are taller And we, when he's trying to uh, protect the rim. Uh, Clyde Trapp fouls a bunch, which as a guard in the ACC, as a freshman, you sort of expect he's overly aggressive, overly energetic, but if he can get that under control, he can definitely contribute on both sides How's of the ball. How's his ball handling? He's... Good under pressure as a freshman. He still makes a couple mistakes every now and again, uh, but he's been in games when we were getting pressed and handled it pretty well. So I think, again, with a little bit more experience and uh, some scrutiny under the the bright lights, he will get better over time.
1: Well, and he's shooting 57% behind the arc, um, you know, 64% total. Uh, that's in limited minutes, limited time, a lot of that in garbage time against yep. weaker opponents, but you know that's a bright spot. That's good to see. Yep. So you really have to look no further uh, than the University of Kansas to see what a lack of depth, uh, even if you have a very good five, seven guys, what a lack of depth can do to the team. You know, the University of Kansas, you know, I, I went to KU for grad school, so mm-hmm. I'm more in tune with their team than I am with a lot of other teams in the country. But they have elite players in the starting lineup. They have an elite coach. But depth has been something that's killing them this year. They just don't have the bench. They've had one five-star guy that sat out because of some issues with a car. That's hurt their depth. And they still only have three losses on the season, which is not bad considering the types of games they play. The Big 12 is a really good conference, but there's a lot of chatter um, We're seeing how the rest of this month goes, they could be at risk for losing the Big 12 regular season title for the first time in many, many years. And again, that's directly uh, related to the lack of depth on that team. So it really does mean a lot. So I will be very interested to see how guys like Clyde Trapp and Amir sins come along the rest of the year. Um, other guys like Anthony Oliver, uh, he's played some good minutes this year. I don't know how much we expect to actually see him. Uh, Scott Spencer has played some good minutes. Both of them are in the 80s. Clyde Trapp's only at 98 minutes, so they're not that far off. But how much do you expect to see them get playing time at all moving forward?
0: I don't expect them to see a ton. Against teams like Pitt, potentially, if we're up big, they might get some some garbage time. Um, in the ACC tournament, if we have to go super deep because people are tired, injured, or uh, in foul trouble, we may see a little bit of them. I don't expect either AJ or uh, Scott Spencer to contribute a ton this year, but they're going to grow into their roles as well. Scott is a very willing shooter. He's going to come in, and he's going to gun. Shooter's going to shoot, like you said with Gabe earlier. Uh A.J. is similar to Clyde Trapp in that he's a pretty long, lanky guard who's super aggressive on defense. He came out of high school known as a shooter, so I'm hopeful that he can sort of regain that shooting form and figure it out at the college level. Uh, I don't see a ton of contribution from them this year, but for years going forward,
1: they can definitely contribute. Well, so if anything, this year is just for them to kind of get their feet wet, um, which will allow them to better be able to produce... And years moving forward, you know, you don't really see guys redshirt in college basketball like you do in college football. So any little bit of experience uh, they get is is good. And yep. unfortunately, the ACC is such a talented, loaded conference that, like you mentioned, Clemson's not going to have these games against weak teams where they get a, have a 20-point lead with, like, eight minutes left to go in the game, and they can yep. start bringing some of these other guys in. I mean, Pitt is probably the only team in the ACC and on the schedule that they'll have an opportunity to do that. Absolutely. Hopefully, they do. You would expect them to because Pitt's a really bad basketball team.
0: Yeah, Pitt's super, super young and don't know what they're doing yet. Um, And they've also got a first-year coach with that team, first time, first year he's been with them. So they're all sort of figuring their way out together. But everybody else in the ACC is capable of beating pretty much everybody else in the ACC on any given night.
1: And so I think this becomes a thing when you're, if you're like a six, seven seed going into the NCAA tournament you know you're you're lining up with teams that aren't that far off from your skill level and especially you get some of these unknown Mm mid-majors that people don't probably undervalue a little bit that's when you start to see upsets and if you're playing a very experienced uh 11 seed or something like that who who does have depth even though you may have more talent on your starting five and a couple guys off the bench that that really could become an issue so it Obviously bodes well for Clemson to get these other guys some playing time and bring them along, but also bodes well for them to take advantage and not win or sorry, not lose dumb games. So you can get a higher seed and you have a better opportunity to move forward once the playoffs come. We're going to be happy to make the playoffs this year, um, and I think in all normal scenarios, you would think that after not being in for eight years, just sniffing it and getting in would make Clemson fans happy. But by all accounts, we should have been in, you know, one or two times over the Absolutely. past few years. And the times that we were in back in, you know, 2010 uh, and before with that one year of Brad Brownell and then Oliver Purnell, mm-hmm. we didn't win anything except for that one play-in game. Yep. So Clemson fans want more than just getting in. We want to see at least one win, hopefully too, A Sweet 16 appearance would be phenomenal. That w- it would be a huge
0: deal. Uh, and I think something that sort of is what we saw with Purnell teams before uh, Brad came on was that. His teams were built to make the tournament, and he had guys like uh, Trevor Booker that were able to lead the team and win a bunch of uh, non-conference or regular season ACC games enough to get into the tournament. But there wasn't enough substance there to take them any further,
1: especially with the style of basketball that all exactly. It
0: wasn't a defensive focused team, which is really what wins uh, NCAA championships and NCAA tournament
1: games. Defense and good point guard play. Guard guard
0: play. play, Absolutely. Um, For those of you who fill out brackets every year find the teams with one or two bigs who are really strong defensively and have a guard who can take over a game, they're going to take you deep most of the time.
1: Who's that this year, Villanova?
0: Villanova's one of them, yeah. Yeah. Um, UNC still has a chance to be one of those teams this year. Joel Berry's a freak, um, and they have a bunch of good young big guys. If they can put it together, they could definitely be one of those teams again.
1: Uh, So let's talk about uh, UNC here. You know, Clemson has a pretty brutal stretch moving forward. Uh, We both identified... Um, if if we can get through this next stretch of games, um, we've got three at home, we've got four on the road. Yep. If we can come out of that winning two of three at home and one of four even on the road, that puts us at three and four in that stretch. I think we're still sitting pretty good. I mean, as long as some of those losses aren't blowout losses and we are, we are able to compete, I think you have to be happy. I think a four and three, got to be really happy to come out of that. If we go five and two better, Look out! We're at another level of excitement. We're talking about you know being in the top quarter of the ACC yeah. and being a top 15 team. Maybe yeah. we're already at top 19. We're already at ranked 19th. So it's gonna be very telling to see this next stretch of games to really confirm whether or not this Clemson team is legit um, or if they're a fraud. Again, I'm leaning from what I've seen, the consistency I've seen this year. I'm leaning towards them being a legit team. I still don't. I I still don't think you should expect six five wins over this... or I wouldn't expect in the next... Stretch. So we have
0: seven games in January. Right. Um, and one, two, three, four of them are against ranked teams. Two of them are on the road against strong teams in the ACC. And one is against Notre Dame at home. Right. So there's but no easy be, game. They'll in be
1: it. missing their best player for that game. They
0: will. Bonzi Colson will still be out. He's been out for a couple weeks. He's got about six weeks left, I think, until he comes back uh, from his broken foot. So that's potentially... Uh, a very winnable game and the Georgia tech on the road game is decently winnable. Our NC state game tomorrow night is pretty winnable. The other ones are all really scary. And if we can come out of uh, those matchups with two wins, we're looking really good.
1: It is incredibly difficult to win on the road in college basketball, and especially in such a good conference as the ACC. So you really have to take care of your business at home and just do what you can on the road. Uh, it's it's unreasonable to think that Clemson's going to break even and go 500 on the road, um, but pull off, uh, you know, win against the teams that you should beat, and, you know, beat one or two teams that you shouldn't beat. Yep. Um, because you're probably going to drop a game or two at home that you shouldn't have, and you're going to beat some teams at home that are pretty good, just having that advantage, so... You know, it's it's a mix of things. Uh, we don't want to expect too much from this team on the road, but I think we can expect more than we have in previous years from this team at home Definitely. and for the body of work for the rest of the season. And, you know, at this point, we're only three games in, so we're not going to take a long look down the road of who we got coming up. But one thing I do want to talk about, I want to talk about North Carolina on the road. Um, every once in a while, Clemson brings a team into North Carolina, and you're like, wow, they may have a chance. Then also every once in a while, Clemson has a good basketball team and North Carolina has a down year, and you're like, oh, we're not playing them at Chapel Hill. Uh, this year they are a good basketball team. They have struggled a bit, but Clemson also has a better basketball team. Again, the best uh, team it looks like that Brad Brownell has ever fielded. Yep. What do you think our chances are this year?
0: I think in our two UNC games, so we play uh, at Chapel Hill, on uh, the 16th of January and then we play against them in Clemson on the 30th of January and let me make
1: it clear they can beat us at home I don't care if we can beat them on the road so I want to focus on that game
0: I think that guys like Gabe and Dante are gonna get super hyped up for that road game in Chapel Hill especially being their senior year exactly senior they year can be this the guy last chance it's a 58 game streak I think at this point where we have not won in Chapel Hill so yeah, it's, it's an absurd number uh Earlier this year, Wofford won in North Carolina. There were a yes, bunch of jokes did. on the I watched internet. That game.
1: Um, I made a joke, yeah, on, uh, on Facebook. Absolutely,
0: and they were they were well deserved. Uh, people were ribbing Clemson for not having one in, in Chapel Hill ever. Um, I think there's a decent chance we can
1: do it this year. That's a good angle. I mean, how sweet that would be for guys like Gabe DeVoe and Dante Grantham, guys that that we written off, fans have written off, just because they didn't progress as we thought they would. Uh, and living under the shadows of, of the two superstars Clemson's had in the past years, it would be so sweet for them to get a win in Chapel Hill and break that streak. I, would, I mean, that would be amazing to see those guys do it. It'd be amazing as a Clemson fan. And we have a really good shot this year. We do. We have a real chance How, this year. how do we match up against them?
0: They are super strong on the boards. They're going to crash the glass like crazy. Uh, and like I had mentioned earlier, Joel Berry is a freak. If he gets hot, you're going to be in trouble. You're probably going to lose
1: that game. Um, Do if, we have any one guy that can guard him? No, but we can throw a
0: barrage at him and keep him contained with the depth at guard. Um, he's, he's too good for any really one player to shut down in the country probably. Uh, the keys to that game are going to be making sure they don't completely obliterate us uh, in the rebounding margin and slowing down the tempo.
1: And this team, so this team has to go in with an attitude. They can't be softies and, and be pushed over. If they take a, they need to be able to take a punch in the mouth at the beginning of the game. If North Carolina gets off to a hot start, yep. and not let them get them, uh, get them down. I think this team does have a tougher mentality. Guys like Sheldon Mitchell, Marquise Reed are tough mentality guys, and you've seen that develop with Grantham and Devoe. Um, they have that this year. So. Uh, it's a combination of a lot of things. You got to be able to play good defense, you got to be able to score, and you got to be able to face the pressure. But just being tough-minded and you're seeing more out of that, this team this year. Um again, it's still going to be a very hard thing to do. For a normal team, it's hard to win in North Carolina. Yep. We have the same issue playing in, in um in Cameron Indoor and Duke. We haven't yep. beaten them in like 13 years yep. at, at Duke or something like that. Not to mention if the game's close, you know the refs are going to be a factor somehow. I mean, it, it, Yep. And, you know, Cody will tell me this is like some uh, Clemson conspiracy, the refs against uh, Clemson when we play teams on Tobacco Road. But we all remember the clock issue at Duke several years ago, which Cody seems to deny that, but that was a real thing. All well, we the Duke all start- fans deny it. Yeah, they're, exactly. they're delusional. Hey, Cody, how's Duke, Duke going right now? Where are they sit? Like 2-2 two and two in the ACC? 2-2. Two two. Yeah, Clemson's 3-0 oh in first place. Um, so that'll be a factor um, we'll have to look out for. It. Hopefully it doesn't come down to that, but... All things being said, if I'm a Clemson fan, I'm really excited about that upcoming game. Unfortunately for me, for some reason, I scheduled a honeymoon. um, Huge uh, mistake. During that time. Well, you know, I had to make something up to the wife uh, for ignoring her for most of football season. Um, And my mind was focused on making sure we didn't leave before the national championship game was played. So I had the opportunity to go. I failed uh, to see that we were playing at North Carolina. When you know, before basketball season started, we made these plans, and I didn't know we would be this good. So,
0: I, I totally get that. I delayed starting my new job until after the national championship in case I had to travel for it.
1: We know what our priorities are, we have them straight that we? Yes. Um, okay, so let's take a step back here uh, before we wrap up on basketball here, and let's take a look at the rest of the league as a whole. <laughs> We mentioned how good the ACC is. That's no surprise. They're good year in, year out. Kim Palm right now has this projected, what, at 12-6, and six, going 12-6 yep. and six in the ACC? Do you think yep. that's possible considering how many good teams there are? I, I mean, think we're also a good start. Yeah. I mean, we only have – that would put us going 9-6 and six the rest of the way, which yep. is not unheard of. No,
0: it's not unreasonable. I think that's definitely doable. Um, this stretch in January is going to really – tell us if we're going to finish top four in the ACC or if we're going to be down in the six to eight round range, which I predicted at the beginning of the year. I'm slightly more optimistic now that we've started off on a good foot. Uh, The Louisville win was big for that because they're a solid team and we were able to pull out a very close overtime game against them. Um, But we've got, I I would split the ACC into three different tiers. Uh, Virginia, Duke, North Carolina, and Miami are the four that I would put at the upper echelon of the league We've got four games against them in the month of January. And five games total. And five games total. So that's going to be a fantastic test to see if we can compete with those upper teams. If we can beat them two or three times in the month of January, we're going to know that this is going to be a solid ACC finish.
1: And so you actually have Clemson right now at the top of tier two.
0: I do. I I put them right there with uh, Florida State and Notre Dame when healthy. Notre Dame's dropping down a little bit because Bonzi Colson's absence. But – I think those three teams when healthy are right at that upper half of that uh, second echelon.
1: So what do you give our odds there? We got five games uh, against those top tier teams. I I think you gotta be happy if Clemson goes two and three. Uh, If we go one and four, I think you have to take that. If we go an O and five, you're pretty disappointed.
0: O and five would definitely be a disappointment. I think two and three is both most likely and what I would be pleased with. Anything better is gravy. Um, one in four would be disappointing, but not the end of the world. Um, and then we've got actually five games against my second-tier teams, which are Florida State, Notre Dame, Syracuse, Louisville, and Virginia Tech, um, and five against the lower tier, which is the remaining five teams.
1: And so Louisville we've already taken care of, so they're, they're off the schedule. And the, the remaining, as we talked about, Notre Dame, we're going to play them without their best player which yep. would you, without their best player are they more of a third tier team or are they solidly in the second tier with maybe a bump up to first tier if they have him
0: I think they're solidly second tier even without him they're probably lower half of the second tier gotcha um, but they are still three and one they lost uh, yesterday I think uh, in the ACC for the first time without even without Colson for any of those games so they've got the potential to to stay at that upper tier. Uh, part of the league still, even with him out and missing two months.
1: We got Florida State twice. You know, I would, I think out of all these teams, I'd rather not play Florida State twice. They absolutely seem to always be a Thornton Clemson side, and they've been a really good basketball team over the past few years. Yeah,
0: they're another one of those really strong uh, defensive teams like a Virginia or a Miami or a Louisville uh, in the ACC that are super long and are going to slow the pace down, and they're just going to try and outmuscle you down low. Because they're way tall and way long, so you got to figure
1: anything less than three and two against this middle tier group would be a disappointment, and even kind of three and two maybe. You'd like to see us go four and one. Um, I'm not sure how the games break out, uh, home versus road. Uh, We already picked up the one win against Louisville, so if we did go three and two, that uh, would mean only winning, only having to win two of our remaining four games. Yep. But again, Notre Dame down. Virginia Tech, are they really that much of a threat? So 4-1 seems pretty likely.
0: It's definitely possible. I think the Virginia Tech and Notre Dame games are ones we should circle as probable, not guaranteed, but probable wins. Uh, Syracuse is going to be tough for us. They're one of the few teams in the ACC that goes zone, and it's their classic long-armed that's, 2-3 that's Jim Boeheim system. That's the Jim
1: plays. And that is that in the Carrier Dome? Uh,
0: I believe it is. Uh, let me check the schedule real quick. It is... Yeah, it's in. It's what we end the season on. It's in Syracuse.
1: So well, hopefully by that time we're already locked in and s- submitted into our spot in the ACC tournament and yeah. in the NCAA tournament. We don't have to worry much about that one. Um, yeah. but otherwise, um, yeah. That's. I mean, that's. It's always. Well, it's always tough playing Jim, a Jim Beheim team. Always, uh, especially against that zone. So we'll see how. But Clemson has a more developed offense this year a more capable offense. So uh, to the extent that they can scheme a game plan to break them down, you know, that's. You know yep. it, it's possible this year it's There's definitely so many, doable so many more things possible this year with this team that is a competent offense and actually hustles and play defense and we've seen in a very long time um so again three and two four and one anything less than that is going to be a disappointment. and finally the third tier we got five games against these teams as well yep. as well they actually break out five five and five throughout the rest of the schedule boston college we've already taken care of Georgia Tech is interesting. We have two games against them.
0: Yeah, they're, um, uh, they're a team that I could see moving up to the second tier. Um, they missed one of their best players, Josh Okoge, missed the beginning part of the season. He's back and is a freak athlete who can drive and score on anybody. He's one of those players that could take over a game against us. We don't have a super strong, uh, small forward-sized defender. Skara may become that. So uh, by the time we play Georgia Tech, hopefully he's ready to go. Uh, and step up big on defense. But I could definitely see us dropping at least one of the two, uh, probably the road one, to Georgia Tech. The rest of those should be winnable. If we go worse than four and one, we would be disappointed with that performance against that group.
1: If you lose to Pitt, you should shut down your basketball program for a couple years. Be put on some type of probation. (laughs) Um, we got NC State coming up tomorrow night. By the time uh, a lot of people listen to this, we probably will have already played them. Yep. Um, we handle them pretty well at home. Uh, again, I'm going to go back to Clemson teams of past. You've seen Clemson beat lesser teams uh, by significant margins at home to only go on the road to their place and lose have close games, right? Yeah. Um, and not pulling off. Is this, again, is this a different Clemson team? Is this a different mindset? We have uh, veteran guys that seem to be able to handle the pressure. We didn't even talk about the free throw shooting. We talked about free throws a couple times in key moments. Yep. Um, of the Boston College game, but yep. as a whole this year, Clemson's a very good free throw s- uh, shooting shooting team, and they're doing it down the stretch, um, so that matters. So I will take interest in watching that game tomorrow night to see how Clemson responds, after, especially after having the accol- accolades now, being in the top 20, sitting atop the ACC at 3-0. How do these kids respond on the road against an NC State team that's going to be looking for revenge? Um, that's going to be interesting to see.
0: Yep. The next week is going to be fun. We've got our um, NC State game, Miami, and North Carolina in Chapel Hill in the next week. So if we come out of that with two wins, we're doing fantastically well. Uh, if we come out with three, this team's something special on a Clemson scale. And uh, it'll be fun to see where we go the rest of the season.
1: Special on a Clemson scale. I don't know how. It, I don't it's know a, how that measures up to Duke and North scale. Carolina. Like, it's, the ceiling is only so high. So, yeah. yeah. You made me like it that you're the doorhead, maybe. Yeah, uh, we're not we're not talking national
0: zone. championship contender or anything, but uh, Sweet Sixteen appearance would well, be fantastic. Let's, ta- let's
1: talk about the tournament right now. Where do you project this Clemson team to uh, go seeded into the uh, into the NCAA tournament?
0: Uh, I think Joe lenardi has got us at a five
1: right now. Um, yeah, I think that's correct. So
0: if we get a five seed, that means we're getting a twelve, which is going to be a conference champion from a mid major. Um, We've played a couple of those teams already this year. We played um, Temple that we talked about earlier. We played Texas Southern, who's not going to be a a 12 seed, but um, an Ohio team and um, a couple others that are going to be contending for their conference championships. So we've seen some teams that are going to fit that mold and handled all of them. So I think that's a good sign for a first game uh, matchup, but it'll really all depend on who we get matched up with and how – how our players can, can step up.
1: So I've got Clemson right now. I think their, their ceiling as a team is probably a three seed. That would put you in. That would be awesome. That would put you in the top 12 <laughs> in the country. Now yeah. we'll find out if Clemson can actually be that good over the next few weeks here. Um, and then I've got their floor at my expectations are an eight seed. I don't expect to see them slip any further than that. Now you can flip eight, nine, whatever. Yeah. Um, but that's where I see Clemson right now. I think if Clemson is a 5 seed or better, I think reasonable expectations with a team that good is to get definitely lead, at least in the Sweet 16. If we're six through eight, nine, I think you can expect one win. At the very least, anything less than that is a disappointment. But again, as I mentioned before, got to get a win this year. It's not just about getting in. It's got to get a tournament win to really breathe some more life into this program. Now, we might get some... Talking about bringing life into this program, hopefully we might get some good news soon oh, on January twentieth yeah. with We've Zion got about two Williamson. Two weeks, ten days. Which shall we find out? Which if Brad Brunel is able to bring him on? Then maybe a first round loss in the NCAA tournament doesn't sting as much because you've got the best player in the country coming in. But let's not factor that in. Let's uh, let's look at our expectations just on this year, and that's where I've got mine right now. Do you think that's accurate?
0: I think that's pretty reasonable. Um, I I don't know if I'd expect us to get all the way up to a three seed. I'd probably put the cap at around a four. Um, but I agree on the, the basement lowest level that I would expect us reasonably to fall to would be around an eight or a nine seed. Um, if we have somebody get injured, uh, we mentioned the depth multiple times. It could definitely affect the rest of the season, but all things being equal us being healthy, I think we're solidly a six, five or six seed.
1: And so I mentioned this before about that dreaded plan game. Doesn't two of the eight, nine there, two of the nine seeds have to end up playing in a playing game. Uh, I believe it's
0: the tens.
1: Is it the tens? Yeah. It
0: depends on how many uh, conference champions get at large. Bids. Okay, so, so it's kind of fluid from yeah. year to
1: year. Gotcha. Um, again, playing games don't count. They do, but they don't. Did we hang a banner for that? I hope not. I bet we did. I don't know. I was in little John last year for a game uh, before the South Carolina game. I, I was not looking for it. Um, no, let's put it that way.
0: Not something we hang our hats on. No.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, so, yeah, that's where we stand. Clemson's in very good shape as far as basketball is concerned, and that's really nice considering the disappointing end to football season. Last year, after we won the national championship, even here on the podcast, we just threw our hands up in the air, talked a little about recruiting, and we shut it down. We didn't care about basketball. We were disappointed that they crashed at the end of the season last year, but it's really nice to, to come out of football season and go into such excitement around the basketball team. It's really, I mentioned this several times before, Clemson fans love it when, when all the major Clemson sports are good. And Clemson yep. has been really good in soccer lately. Obviously, you know what they've done in football. The baseball team has always been consistently been solid, but Monty Lee has breathed some new life into that program, and there's a lot of excitement around there. If we've also got that going on in basketball, then um, I think you got to give d a pat on the back. Absolutely. All things considered. And the
0: cherry on top is that we beat
1: South Carolina in all those major sports as well that, this year. That is very true. Um, so yeah, that's all we got for today on basketball. Um, we're going to continue, uh, to keep you up to date with football action. We've got some big decisions being made about guys staying or guys leaving already. Some defectors on the offensive side of the ball. Um, we'll see what happens on the defensive line. Hopefully all that information comes out tomorrow. Get Mitch Hyatt back. That's huge. So moving forward, we'll continue to check in on basketball. We'll also be talking about, uh, goings on in football, football, recruiting the, the, National Signing Day Part 2 is now on our radar. Hopefully we can get and Tiger from Shaking the Southland back on. We know everybody loves those episodes. Um, and before we go, as we do always, we'd like to thank all of our listeners and everybody who's hung with us throughout the football season. We hope you continue to listen on here into the football offseason. Again, we will be covering Clemson basketball. We'll be covering Clemson baseball. And it'll free us up to talk about some more interesting topics about college football that we don't necessarily get to talk about when we we're in the season, because we we're busy previewing and analyzing games. Um, if you've been listening to us for a few years now, and you kind of know what the format of those shows are, um, but it's something that I think that we all look forward to, and it, it it leaves for some more interesting banter between us, the the hosts of the show, and we get into more arguments, and it's a little bit more lively just because we have some more interesting topics to talk about, not strictly. Um, analyzing games but yeah again thank you for listening uh again you can check us out on soundcloud stitcher any of your podcasting apps we would love it if you could go on to itunes and leave us a review we've gotten a ton this year and we appreciate all those uh good and ones with constructive criticism if you're just yelling at us and telling us we suck you know that's not very helpful and we don't really care um and then also all the engagement on facebook and twitter this year that has been amazing Please, if you haven't uh, done so, subscribe to us, on, follow us on Twitter, uh, subscribe to our page, follow our page on Facebook, and share us anytime that you see something comes out because the likes are awesome, but sharing helps get us out to a wider audience that is not already connected to us. So we really appreciate that. So once again, really exciting things for Clemson basketball right now. We'll look forward to continuing to talk about that as the season goes on. And until we talk again, go Tigers. <laughs>
0: Seconds McIntyre working right side, lops it off to Jameson underneath. Buster jams. jams, six
1: tenths of a second left. Tigers around top 75 to 73. They're gonna trap, try to get the little fellow to cough it up hey. to win.